It has been two years, seven months, and 11 days since I last treated a patient. Today I'm going to do the third question from Hillary that I started in Q&A episode number two. She asks, what are your top or favorite myths that clients brought to you as preconceived notions that you had to debunk? Hillary, I love this question. There are so many, and it's not, I'm not saying that as a fault of the person coming in. It's just how easy it is to look to things like Dr. Google or friends and family or misleading information that you could get from any source that starts to create this concept of what is an actual fact. And then you blend that in that what is common medical knowledge is a good two to three decades ahead of what is common knowledge. So you get some old true things about medicine that carry over that are no longer true. So there are, there's a lot of them that, that I want to cover, and I'm sure I'm forgetting many. The first one is that you know your body better than I do. There's many forms of this. Self-diagnosis, trusting in what you feel, using experience to explain what happened. All of those things are predicated upon stuff I've talked about in the past where, for example, sensory experience lies all the time. You do know your experience better than I do. I'm not in your body. I have not lived your life. But to think that you know how the body works better than I do is largely a myth. And so the reason that this one comes up a lot is I have to be very careful about how I talk to people because it's no, you never want to insult intelligence, number one. But number two, if they have a certain belief structure, if I contradict it, evidence shows that the person is much more likely to believe harder in what they already believe as opposed to listen to, to counter evidence. So it's in that concept that the myth is largely that you know the physiology, the biomechanics, the anatomy better than I do. You do know your experience. And we have to marry those two things together. And that could be an incredibly difficult task that if I could wave a magic wand and just make it so everybody understands that when they're coming in to talk to somebody like me, that they don't have preconceived notions. That would just make the job easier for all of us. Uh, this one rarely comes up, but walking with a single cane assisted or a single assistive device like a cane or one crutch, uh, that, 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 that device should be, but generally what people will do is they'll come in and they'll put the cane or the crutch on the same side as the injured leg, when in actuality it needs to be on the opposite side of the injured leg. And it feels counterintuitive, people's natural response are, but, but that leg's fine, why do I need to support that leg? Where this comes down to is a principle of base of support. When you take a step forward with an injured leg, uh, the reason you have an assistive device in the first place is probably because that side of the body isn't stable or strong or hurts or any of a number of reasons why it doesn't work very well. It's less likely to be able to take the full weight of your body. So if you set the injured leg down and then many inches away, you set a cane or a crutch down, it is a much larger base of support. When you step forward with the uninjured leg, it can take your whole body weight. It doesn't need that additional support that the injured leg does. Uh, the next one is that any non-medication over-the-counter purchase 
will help you. Now, I want to be clear about this. Medications that are over-the-counter do have an effect on the body, but the vast majority of products that aren't medication-based, they really don't have any real mechanical effect, uh, with a tiny exception. So uh, a knee brace, for example, it's if you were to, to, to grab your forearm with, with your hand really, really hard and then twist, the skin will allow you to create that twist motion, right? And that, that massive grip that you have on your forearm is significantly more intense than a knee brace is. So why would a knee brace that you buy over the counter have any effect at all, right? It's not anywhere close to the amount of mechanical forces that you can use, that you can create with your hand, and yet your hand still can't even stop movement from, from happening with that forearm. Uh, ace bandages uh, or elastic bandages, depending on how you want it, how they're, how they're named, those do have some, uh, some effect when it comes to reducing swelling, but it's the way you wrap an ankle or a, an elbow, an arm, a hand, or whatever, is actually very important in terms of it having a good effect versus a negative effect. Generally, people will just take the, the bandage and they'll just wrap it like a, like a straight circle around a limb. Uh, that actually creates more of a tourniquet effect. The, the appropriate way that actually can help reduce some swelling is to do what's called a figure eight wrap. And I'm not going to try and explain that on, on a, a podcast medium like this. I would encourage you to just get on YouTube and look up figure eight ace bandage wrapping or elastic bandage wrapping, and that will teach you how to appropriately wrap yourself or your family members uh, should you need that. So those do have a, a, a small positive effect that, that isn't a myth. Um, it's just, it's not, it's not a huge effect, but it is, it is at least, it does at least exist. Uh, but if you, if you look at things like copper infused nonsense, it, it, those kind of things, they're really expensive because copper is is expensive, number one. But they've weaved it into the fabric, and then there's statements that it does, I don't know, something to ions or whatever. I, if you have a bunch of pennies in your pocket, do you notice a difference for that leg other than it's heavier in that in that pocket? It, it Copper inside a cloth doesn't doesn't really do anything. Uh, in the hospital, you can get a bandage that has silver weaved into the fabric. Uh, that actually has an effect because silver has some antimicrobial properties. It's not a perfect, quote-unquote, silver bullet, uh, but it does have an effect. But the, the copper-infused stuff, nope, that's, that's just junk. Now, I have people who say things like, well, but when I use a, a, a brace or a some plastic device that's supposed to be for soft tissue mobilization or any of those kind of things they, they'll say, but I feel better. Uh, this is where the placebo effect comes in. Now, this leads into my next myth. The myth being that placebo effect is bad. That is extremely false. The placebo effect is the most powerful healing mechanism in existence. There is nothing more potent than the placebo effect. The problem is, is that med medical scientists do not know how to reliably reproduce the placebo effect. So this is where things can sort of go awry. Generally, when it comes to things like over-the-counter 
what I say to people is effectively, look, it's not going to hurt you. It wouldn't be over the counter if it could cause harm. It would be taken off the market. If it makes you feel better, use it. And the, the retort is often, but you just told me it doesn't do anything. If it makes you feel better, it doesn't matter. It's your money. You can do whatever you want with it. If you have a placebo effect, that is actual benefit. The, the tough part with the placebo is that sometimes people will opt for a, a placebo-type treatment as opposed to interventions that do have evidence-validated uh, uh, effects. So I always want to go with evidence first. If you find that you've done something that really has no research-proven effect, it either hasn't been proven by the research yet or it's a placebo. Either way, if it's better and it's non-harmful, go for it. Uh, the next myth to, to dispel is that a PT can get you better. That is not true. Time works just as well. What PTs do is we get you there faster. For example, a total knee replacement and total hip replacement surgeries, uh, there's actually really strong evidence that you don't ever need to see a PT and you'll get the same outcomes as somebody who did. You get yourself better. We just guide you through the process. So that the reliance on PTs when, when you know, somebody comes, fix me, fix me, fix, like that's, that's never going to work. Uh, medications you take, you, you, it's, it's an active experience in the process of taking a medication, but the rest of what's happening is happening outside of your, your control. Uh, surgery, same thing. A, somebody does something to you to put you back together again. That is not how PTs work. We, our, our job is to have you, you, you have to move, right? You have to do exercises and stretches and all kinds of various other things. Um, I might do some hands-on treatments to you, but there's 168 hours in a week. If I spend 20 minutes doing a manual therapy, there's, there's, there's 167 hours and 40 minutes left of the week that you could be undoing anything that I did to you. How you get yourself better is actually uh, taking the, thing, the lessons that we try to teach you, the movement patterns that we try to create, and weaving them into your day and doing them all day long. That is how you get better. And that's, that's a key piece that I want to stress is that the people who come into PT expecting to be fixed without participating will be sorely disappointed. There will be no effect in their overall outcome other than most injuries will heal with time. On the next one, magnets can move blood. Uh, sometimes you'll see people who, who talk about or use magnet therapy, as it would be called, um, I understand the rationale behind it, uh, why why that that comes up. Um, there's iron in our blood, right? And so iron is magnetic, and so it seems reasonable to think that if I put a magnet over an injured area, it would bring more blood to the area. The problem is, is the hemoglobin molecule that has the iron in it, the structure of that molecule is not ferromagnetic. And the easiest way to confirm that is with an MRI. MRI stands for Magnetic Resonance Imaging. It is an extremely powerful magnet, and if our blood reacted to magnets and we got an MRI, we would explode. Uh, the next thing to dispel actually is supplements. Now, I want to make an asterisk here. If your doctor has told you to take a supplement that is a individual human-based medical advice, 
That does not apply to what I'm about to say. What I'm about to say has to do with research, which is large bodies of people, not individual specific. But if we're talking about generally speaking, supplements are just really good at making expensive urine. For one, the FDA does not regulate supplements that you buy. So that means that what you what is in your pill, the, the, the supplement pill, could very well just be sawdust, maybe some leaves, and ground-up pixie wings. And that's all you're taking. That is an inherent problem when it comes to supplementation. When, when, you can't, when it's not regulated by the FDA, it, there's no control on it. A shady actor can create a supplement, say what's in it, and not have to actually validate it. Uh, another thing that happens often is you have like the big, thick, chunky multivitamins. Uh, the majority of that, they're so thick and dense, it just ends up passing through your digestive system before it can even be broken down. So in that case, it's not so much expensive urine as, it, as much as it is expensive poop. Uh, again, if your doctor has told you to take a supplement and told you what to take, that is individual to you. But if we're talking about the research... Those who are on supplements have no significant difference in their health outcomes than the people who are not on supplements. So that's another big one to pay attention to. Again, I'm going to go back to the placebo effect. If you're taking a supplement and you feel like it makes you better and there's no harm associated with it, then I don't really care if you do. Again, it's your money. The last one that I'm going to dispel is that noisy but pain-free joints are a problem. Uh, if a pop, a popping, like popping your knuckles or your knees or your ankles or toes, if that's painful, then that does need to be investigated. But if it's just noisy, it's not actually a problem. Uh, over time, our joint surfaces start to break down, and you get in, in the cartilage surface that covers our joints, you get these little micro divots. Uh, that, that creates, that little divot creates actually what, what would be called a cavitation site. <clears throat> A small bubble, uh, in this case in joints, the, the, the gases that will form will be nitrogen. You get a small nitrogen bubble that forms in that little divot so that when you compress your joints together, when you, say, go for a walk, right, your knees compress together every time your foot hits the ground, you, you basically create this, this sort of um, suction effect. Uh, it has to do with, with surface tension of fluids. But the, the, the surface tension of fluids creates this, this almost um, like a suction in the joint. But because there's this little nitrogen gas bubble or maybe many nitrogen gas bubbles in there, when you try to move and the joints pull apart from each other, it actually, that, that pulling apart because of the surface tension, it actually creates a, a sort of a, a, an almost vacuum. It's, it will pull additional nitrogen out of solution to make that bubble bigger, 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 bigger until it ruptures and it pops. And that's a noise that you hear. Now, that would be your one-off uh, pop that doesn't happen you know, immediately after. Uh, I apologize to those who are listening, but if you get something like this, that, that repeated uh, popping is things like tendons that are sliding over the edges of bones or, or ligaments that are sliding. It, it's just structures that are, that are slipping and sliding over uh, something, so it, you get kind of like a little bit of a rubber band effect. But yeah, if it's, a, if, it's a, if it's pain-free and noisy, there's no evidence that shows that that's ever going to be a problem uh, now or in the future. 
So there's a lot of times that patients would come to me and go, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Like it, it pops, it pops all the time. And my response is effectively, that's okay. It's fine. As long as it's not painful. Uh, I think that's going to cover it for the myths that I can remember for now. I'm sure I'm going to kick myself later for forgetting some. But listeners, if you are a healthcare provider of any kind and you're willing to be interviewed, or if you have a question you would like to ask, you can reach me at nerdhealth at gmail.com or on Twitter at nerd4health. That is nerd, the number four, health. Until next time, I ask all of you to join me in taking a little time each day to try to learn something new or grow as a person in some small way. Signing off for today.